Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. So we'll read from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, and verse 1 to 6. Say, the same day when Jesus went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, Some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had no much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, They were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell upon good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, and some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear? Let them hear. Father, we ask now that you would bless these words. I pray that the message will serve its purpose as you speak today. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was growing up in my community, there was a man by the name of Socrates. He was a plumber. And he was the plumber for my community. Everybody knew him. Although we never had very much plumbing work at home. But everybody knew Socrates. And uh, I used to wonder where he got that name. But then when I went to school, I started studying about Greek philosophers. And I came across the name Socrates that Socrates was a Greek philosopher like Plato. And uh, they were very close. And then I discover that Socrates developed the art of asking questions in his teachings. And so I want to ask you a question today. It might not be as profound as Socrates' question. But the question I want to ask you is, why is it that some people experience the teachings of Christ and are exposed to it and behave in a manner that does not reflect the teachings? That is my question to you today. And how does God, through the teachings of Jesus Christ, addresses this question? So I I have entitled my message today, The Seed. And like any story, a parable is a window into the mind of the author. 
And people describe only what they can imagine. You can't describe it unless you imagine it. And imagination depends on what a person has seen, what he has heard, what he has read, and what is within the crevices of the character. And so in this case, we have here uh, a, a parable of agricultural imagery, sowing seeds. This indicates the rural perspective of both the speaker and also the original audience. And so, the parable of the sower here is a foundation parable. And why do you say that it's a foundation? The foundation is that which you build on. And the superstructure of any architectural design is going to be as strong as the foundation is. And so here Jesus begins to lay the foundation for his teaching. So this is a foundational parable. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 13, Jesus asks the disciples a very, very important question. He says in verse 13, then he told them, you don't understand this parable. So how can you understand any of the parables? So Jesus was here saying that if you can't understand this parable here, you're not going to understand any other parable. And so the parable of the saw is found in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, well, John is not included. John's gospel is different from Mark, Matthew, and Luke. So the synoptic gospels are Matthew, and the word synoptic here means to, to simply means to see through the same lens. So they describe the same event except that they put in some particular detail that would fit into their own into their own emphasis. And so the parable of the sower is one of two parables in which Jesus provides an explanation. And so yes, in this parable he provides an explanation. The other one is the parable of the weeds. So, the explanation here that Jesus gives is very helpful so that we can understand what's in its mind and his perspective. Now today, as we go through this message, I want to examine with you four elements in this parable of the soul. Four elements. Element number one. Let's look at the setting. Jesus was teaching by the seaside. And the people were crowding around. Multitudes, as it says. And then, in an attempt to be able to capture the audience... And for them to hear what he was saying, he asked one of the fishermen to borrow his boat and he used it as a pulpit. So he used the boat as a pulpit and he asked them to put it out a little into the water. And then Jesus, as any rabbi, and you know, Jesus was a true rabbi. And the word rabbi means teacher. And uh, he sat down in the boat and he began to teach the people. Now according to Luke, the parable appears to have been given 
during a preaching tour of Jesus through the village of Galilee. So he was here teaching and the Sea of Galilee. And uh, the Sea of Galilee is it's 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 called a sea, but it's fresh water. It's a huge uh, lake. I remember some years ago, Sister Harding and I, we went on the boat and we went on the Sea of Galilee. It was very placid and calm. So Jesus was not disturbed by wave because it was like a lake. And so the water was very still. And there, Jesus began to teach. Now this setting includes a temporal setting. It includes a geographical setting, a cultural setting, an agricultural setting, and also a literary setting. When you combine all of this, it made it, everything put together was conducive to the teachings that Jesus Christ wanted to put forth. So here he sat down in the boat. And uh, I believe that Jesus had a very strong lungs. He was able to project his voice. He never had any microphone. But he just projected his voice. And the people would hear him from a distance as he taught them. As this great rabbi great didaskalos from the word didactic which means to teach so he says here a sower went forth to sow so now let's look at the at the sower here in our story now Matthew says that a sower went forth to sow he did not say this sower. He says a sower, which is an indefinite article here. He didn't use the definite article, a sower. So that sower here, the idea of the, this sower has implication far beyond where Jesus was standing. First of all, I believe here, and based upon the interpretation, that the sower here is Jesus himself. And so, through all the dispensation, Jesus used dreams, he used angels, he used prophet to proclaim the truth, the gospel. So the gospel was carried on by prophets and, and dreams and vision. But then Jesus himself decided that he was going to come. And so when he came, his primary work was to sow the seed of divine truth in the hearts and lives of men and women. So Jesus Christ is the great sower. Ellen G. White says in Christ Object Lesson, page 37, this is what he says. Christ came to sow the world with truth. A sower from a higher world. Christ came to sow the seed of truth. He who had stood in the councils of God. Who had dwelt in the innermost sanctuary of eternity could bring to men the pure principles of truth. Even since the fall, ever since the fall of man, Christ had been the revealer of truth to the world. By him, the incorruptible seed, Jesus, by him, the incorruptible seed, the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It is communicated by him to men. So who is the first sower here? Jesus. Jesus is the what? 
the first sower. And so the sower is also represented by the apostles. The sower here is represented by the disciples whom he sent to preach the gospel to all through the ministry of the word. God has called all Christians also to be sowers. So all of us who are here today, we are sowers. We are sowers by our words, by our action. We are sowing some kind of principle in the minds of others. We cannot help it. You don't, you, 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 whatever you say and whatever you do, even if you didn't plan it, it is, it is an act of sowing something. So what would you want to sow? Or what are you sowing? Are you sowing good seeds? Are you sowing bad seeds? Here Jesus Christ intends to teach us a great lesson. Christ says in, 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 in the same book, Christ Object Lesson, page 37, Ellen White says that Christ servants, whose servant church? Christ. Christ servants are to do the same work. The same work here as Jesus did. Jesus came and he, he was sowing seed. And he sowed good seed. So we also ought to be sowing good seed. He says, he says here that in our day as of old. The vital truth of God's word are set aside. For human theories and human speculations. Many professed ministers of the gospel. Do not accept the whole Bible as the inspired word. One wise man rejects one portion. Yes. Another questions another portion. They set up their own judgment. As superior to the word of God. What are they sowing? They are sowing bad seed. So, the, based upon the, the, the term sower, Jesus is the sower. His disciples, the apostles, and then all of us who embrace the name of Jesus, we are all sores. So you are sores. Yes. You are sores. Now we have looked at the setting. And we have looked at the sower. Why don't we look at the seed? Let's now look at the seed. First of all. The seed here. Represents the word of God. The gospel seed. What does the seed represent? The word of God. And you know, within a seed, there is life. The life is within the seed. And so, in order for propagation to take place, then that seed must be planted, that seed must germinate, that seed must grow, it must be watered, it must be nourished, and then it grows into a big tree. And we survive. Life is perpetuated through what the plants produce. Am I right? Oh yes. All the food that you eat comes from plant. As a matter of fact, plant food is the best food. Well, I say all the food. But all the good food. Alright? Because some food comes from animal. But your best food is plant food. So the life is within the seed. 
So I, 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 I don't think that Jesus Christ here was just giving a parable word without thinking of what he was saying when he said that the sower was sowing seed. And then that the seed represents the word of God. The word of God is not just the word of God. It is the life-giving word of God. And so the life-giving prophecy is is in this in the in the it's not in the soil or the life of the seed is not in the soil the seed has a life before it goes in the soil it is because it has a life before it went in the soil why it was able to grow while in the soil what the soil does is to is to provide the right environment for it to grow. And so. The, the life giving property. Is not in the soil. But is in the seed. You may enrich the soil. As much as you will. You may. You may put in all the fertilizer. And you may put in all the water. But without the seed. You can have no life. You know scientists. Have given us the idea of spontaneous generation, meaning that the seed just come up out of the soil. But somebody has to make the seed. And uh, when God made the seed, God, you know, put life in it. And so there is no salvation apart from the indwelling word. Of Jesus Christ. The word of God. Is, is, a, is life. And Christ. Is an. Is the provider. Of the word. The Bible says. In the beginning was the what? Was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So here. The word of God represents Jesus Christ. So we are to sow the word concerning Christ. Were life to be obtained outside of the seed. That wouldn't be what the Bible tells us about. Oh, some people, you know, in sowing... They sow pebbles, but they have no power to reap any harvest. And so the word is powerful because it is living. The life-giving word of God is powerful. Every seed brings forth after its kind. You cannot sow what you don't, you can't reap what you don't sow. And so if you sow wickedness, you are going to reap wickedness. You can't sow righteousness. So if you and I want to be righteous, what do we have to do? We have to sow righteous seed. Amen? That's right. And so Christ sows his own seed at, at creation. He is the creator. His garden was perfect in beauty. And there was no taint of, of sin our sadness. As his disciples. We have to sow. The seed that he has given us. We can't sow our own seed. The doctrines and the word. That we preach. And teach. Belong to Jesus Christ. And so. The seed here. Is the word of God. But now when you go through the parable. You will notice here that as the seeds were broadcast, they, they, they fell on different soil. Now I want you to understand here that the difference in the growth of the seed here is not in the seed itself. For the, the seeds 
were of the same potency. There was no different in quality of the seed. The seed is the same in every case. The difference here is in the type of soil. So what happened in this story? The Bible says that these seeds, they, they, they fell in different places as we will see here as we go along. But I want to make the point here that the result that came forth was not the fault of the seed. It was the fault of the soil. So now that we have talked, looked at the setting, we have looked at the soil, we have looked at the seed, why don't we now look at the soil? The soil. Now the soil here, what does it represent? The soil represents the human heart. What the soil represents? The human heart. And so there are varieties of soil as described here. And the variety of soil describes the human response to the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. And so the condition which the, which the, the heart and mind assumes determines the response to the grace of God. Whatever is in the heart, that is what its response is going to be to the word of God. Is there anybody here today who is searching to find out God's word? The first thing that you have to do is to prepare your own heart so that the soil... Uh, so that the soil, which is the heart, can be receptive. In order for the, for, the, for the seed to do well in the soil, in order for the word of God to do well in our heart, we must be receptive to the word of God. There has to be a desire to learn more and more. There has to be an interest in the word of God. And that is why the, the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It seems here that the psalmist is saying that one of the things that prevent us from sinning is to have the word of God in our heart. One of the things that will keep us entrapped here is that we have the, uh, a desire, a thirst for the word of God. So the condition which the heart and the mind assumes determine the response to the grace of God. Oh yes, as men, you know we can, as, as, as individuals, we can be negative or positive about the grace of God. And so the response to the gospel is not determined by physical nature of our heart. It's not the physical nature of our heart that determines the response to the seed or to the word of God. But by the moral and spiritual condition of our mind. Now, you can be sick and have a failing heart. Oh yes, your heart can be so bad that they have to put in a pacemaker. But that same heart can be pure in righteousness for Jesus Christ. So don't worry with your, don't, don't, don't let your pacemaker bother you right now as it relates to spiritual things. That is not where the emphasis is. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is what? So is he. So the idea here is that you cannot behave differently from how you are thinking. I want you to understand that. You cannot behave in a manner that does not describe what is inside of you. So when I, when I want to know who people are, 
I just listen to what they say. All right? And once I listen to what you say, I sum you up long time and have you covered. And I know some of the things that you will do and some that you will not do because I listen to you how you talk. Man, there are some people, when you talk with them, you know, you just stand up with your mouth open. They, 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 they tantalize you and, and, and titivate your, your audio senses. Yes. There's some people, it's so nice, it's so pleasant to listen to them. They are, they are positive, they are upbeat, they are encouraging. But others, when you listen to them, man, they, you, 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 when you leave them, it's like a plant that is in the soil without water for days. Everything in you will start to limp. And then you have to go back to somebody else for them to pump you up. Yeah. But here, we must be careful. Uh, be careful of the, of the way you speak. You know? Be careful of the way you speak. You know, I learned something some time ago, you know. I probably had told you about it again. I learned something some time ago. Um, when I was, when I was in charge of publishing ministry, one of the things I used to tell the Carl Porters as they go out, you know, literature evangelist, to I used to tell him, you know, you go to sell a book and people will, you know, ignore you, or they will try to insult you. And I drill this in the hearts and mind of all the culprits. I would say to them, listen. And they had to recite it. And when we had training, I would drill it in their heads. I said, listen. A gentleman or a lady would never insult you. Anybody else who tries will only be exhibiting his or her low breathing. And I drill it in their heads and they, they, they grasp it. And so when they would go to sell books and somebody would try to insult them, you know, they would say, oh man, I'm so sorry for him. I'm so sorry for her. But you know, there are some people who pride in insulting people. Oh yes. In pride in insulting people. But remember now that when that your, your reason for speaking pe to people is that when you leave them, you must build them up, not to break them down. So even when you speak from this pulpit or anywhere in the church, to speak to people. Count your words well before you speak them. Because you might be destroying a heart or a life. Because the word has power. Word is, word, a word is very powerful. And that is why the Bible here, Jesus uses the, the, the seed to, 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 to represent the word of God. Because the word is so powerful, it can make you or it can break you. And those of you who are rearing young children, don't forget that. Be positive to your children. Talk positively and live positively. And you'll be surprised to see how it, how it helps your children to propel them in life. And I, I know what I'm talking about. I'm not, I didn't read this only in book. I know. I've grown three girls. Oh, yes. And sometimes, you know, I get mad at them sometimes. One of them, you know, one day when I get mad at my younger girl, she called me in the living room and she said, Daddy, come here. Come here, Daddy. And she said, calm down, Daddy, calm down. 
Mr. Watson, what's that? She said, kneel down, daddy, kneel down. She said, daddy, I have to pray for you. <laughs> and she put her hand on my head and he said, she said, oh God, please help daddy. Oh, please help daddy to calm down. Yeah, you know, parents, you get mad sometimes. But always remember that you must speak positively. Be upbeat. Because a word. You know, and this, the, the wise man Solomon says, you know, talking about word, he says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. That's beautiful poetry. But it's more than poetry. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Beautiful language. But remember now that you must speak positively. Words. The word of God has power. And uh, the soil here helps the word. But then the word comes with life. The purpose of the gospel is not to be determined by the physical nature of the heart. Your the moral condition. Now there are four types of, uh, of soil here. As we study, if you study the parable. There's the first soil is the impenetrable soil. That soil that is so hard and tough. That the seed cannot penetrate it so that it can be nourished by that soil. It is called the bitten part that the seal, the soil, the soil where the seed fell upon. It's impenetrable. And they have some heart like that. They are tough and hard, callous and cold. Oh, yes. Then there is the superficial soil. This superficial soil here. It's not, it, it, it seems to be one thing, but it is the other. You know, some people, they are not very genuine. They are superficial. And they deal with you on the surface. Oh, yes. There are some people like that, and the word of God cannot penetrate it. They are not sincere. And uh, they smile when they see you. And they have this beautiful smile. But inside their heart, venom. Thank God I don't have any of those people as members of my church. So it is superficial. Then there is what is called the preoccupied soil. Preoccupied with other things. You know, yeah, like, you know, in the story of Mary and Martha. And uh, Mary went to Jesus and said, please, ask my sister to come and help me. You know, ask my sister to come and help me. One was preoccupied. You know, preoccupied. What are you preoccupied with? You know, people who are preoccupied are always daydreaming, you know. And if you're a student and you daydream in school, you will only make F. Because you are not hearing what the teacher said. Your mind is someplace else, far away. And you can see it in your eyes. Then, apart from the impenetrable soil... And the superficial soil, the preoccupied soil, then you have what we call the prepared soil. The one that is ready to absorb the word of God. And so the parable here is Christ's answer to the question. And the question is, if the gospel is from God, why is it not more effective to hold? All hearts and all soil. And then the answer is, like any other remedy, 
Much will depend on the way in which it is used. So when you are sick and you go to the doctor and the doctor prescribes the medication, on the bottle it says, take one tablet two times daily. All right? Now, if you take three tablets one time, when you are supposed to take one, then, you know, you know what the trouble is going to be. Or, if it says take one tablet three times daily, you can take three tablets one time daily. Nor can you take one tablet every other day. You can't do that. You have to follow the instruction. Am I right? And the word of God here calls us to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. Come unto me. All ye that are labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Now as I close this message today. There is the notion. That. The word of God. Is at fault. Or the seed is at fault. The, the fault. Might be solely the response of the heart. To the word of God. It is the response of the soil to the seed. It is the response of the heart to the word of God. So what is the cause that some fell on stony ground. Some fell around the wayside. And uh, there are those that fell on good ground. What causes the difference? The cause of failure, failure does not lie in God. The cause of failure does not lie in the soil. The cause of failure is not in the seed itself. God does not predestinate men and women to fail. He has no pleasure in the death of the sinner. So what is the cause of the failure? Why is it that some people in the church are always failing spiritually why there can't be any growth why you come and you listen and you read and you come and you listen but there is no spiritual progress why why well the first cause of failure is not the truth in itself it is because of the origin of sin and the severity of human depravity. Sin affects the heart and so we are depraved. The second cause of failure is a lack of spiritual perception. There are persons whose religion is an outward show. Some people don't show. It's a demonstration. What is not really in the heart. It never. Their religion or the teaching of the word of God. Never penetrates. Beyond the intellect. And listen. God wants people with intellect. But your intellect is not enough to make you a faithful child of God. You know, some years ago, when I lived in Montego Bay, Jamaica, I was going, I was driving out one day towards the, the town. And I saw a lady was waiting in the taxi in my community, so I decided to go. To, well, it's a gentleman. I decided to give him a ride. And uh, we were talking. And he said to me, I asked him, where, where, where are you going? He said, I'm going to church. But he said that I go to two churches. I go to one in the morning. And I go to one in the afternoon. 
So I leave one church and I go to the other church. So I asked him why. He said simply this. He said, uh, in the morning, I go to the Methodist church. Because at the Methodist church, the preacher is an intellectual preacher. He appeals to the intellect. But after I leave, I am still very dry. So after I leave the Methodist church, I go to the Pentecostal church because they appeal to the emotion. So I said to him, why do you need the intellect and the emotion to be, the emotional needs to be satisfied? He said, listen, this is how it is. When I go to the Pentecostal church, when I leave, I am on an emotional high. But there is nothing there to keep me for the week. It just melts away. Like butter in sun. But what they say over the, over the Methodist church. It remains with me. But that is not enough. I, you know I went and I did a research. And what this man was saying. And you know what I've discovered? That there is in, in worship, there is, there is need to be a delicate balance between the emotional and the spiritual aspect of worship. You cannot be too emotional, else you're going to remain dry and empty. You cannot be too intellectual, because that alone is not enough. Both sides must be delicately combined so that you can have a balanced response to the word of God. And so today, I want to ask you, what kind of soil are you? You are not the seed, but you are the soil. You are a sower. You sow seed. You are a soil. What kind of soil are you? If you notice in the passage, it says here that when the seed fell, there was a result. It says here that and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some seventyfold. You notice here that in this passage, those who brought forth fruit, not all of them brought the same amount. It says here, it says that this, it fell and good ground. The first thing is, is your heart a good ground? What kind of ground is your heart? Is it hard and tough? Are you a difficult person for the gospel to coexist with? What a person, what kind of person are you? I challenge you this morning. Allow the word of God to shape your life. To influence your conduct. And to determine your action. Don't let anything else determine your action. Or shape your conduct. The word of God. What Christ says. Depend on that. Use that. Follow that. Let that be your guide. And the next thing you shouldn't do. You should not look at your neighbor. For it says here that some brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, 100%. But what Jesus is getting to here is that all of us, we are not the same. He's like a student 
There are 60 of you in the class, in, in school. One person is always making A. One person is always making B. One person is, is always making C. But listen to me now. If you, are, if, if you have the ability to make A and you make C or B, you're a failure. Listen to me. If you have the ability to make A and you make B and you satisfy with it, you're a failure. If you have the ability to make B and all you are making is C, you are not maximizing your potential. Therefore, you are failing. If you are a C student and all you can make is a C and you keep on making that C, you are a success. Because it depends upon your ability. And what this is saying here that all of us don't have the same ability. It's what some brought a hundredfold, some brought sixtyfold, and then thirtyfold. But you know what it means? That with all of this, there is a place for all of us in the great economy of God. Where is your place? I trust today that one, you will be a sower. That two, you will be a potent seed. You will, you will rather, you will take that potent seed and that you will carry it along with you. The word of God. And then three, that you will be a responsive soil in which the word of God will fall will germinate and will bring forth fruit, fruit for repentance. And when this happens, your life will be changed. You will be happier. You will be healthier. And you will be on the road to the kingdom of God. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.